my grandmother was a lifelong Methodist at the time that she passed away several years ago. Now, it bears noting that she was a lifelong member of United Methodist Churches in Ohio. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, those were great churches. I was a part of several of them growing up in Ohio. It's just that those churches had some differences than the churches here. The churches that we went to in Ohio uh, were far more reserved and quiet and simple. Now, some of that was because we went to very small churches there in comparison to here, but a lot of it was because they were just more emotionally reserved. They weren't demonstrative in their faith. Uh, There wasn't very much excitement in the church. The, The most excitement I remember was when my grandpa and grandma would get excited when they recognized one of the hymns that had been selected. And that was about it. But it mirrored the faith of my grandmother. She had a very quiet faith. She did not readily reveal her emotions about God. She kept all of that to herself. And so it was very surprising to me, and still is to this day, that my grandmother, with that quiet, unassuming faith, loved watching a certain televangelist on TV who was extremely emotional and charismatic, he had an expression of faith was, that was a direct contrast to that of my grandmother. He would yell and cry and fervently pray, and, and he'd flail about, and he was always wiping his brow, you know, all the sweat that would build up. And I never understood that connection, but my grandmother watched him faithfully. Now, This was a a minister who did a lot of good in his years of ministry, but the thing that I had a problem with was that he preached a message of wealth, that he felt that God wanted people to be wealthy, not just spiritually, but literally rich. And as a sign of your great faith and trust in God, you could send in your money to his ministry And it would be uh, blessed and multiplied, and you would receive blessings in return, uh, multiplied many times over. Now, there were times that there were faith gifts that were offered. You couldn't buy them, but if you gave at a certain level, you would receive one uh, as a token of your great faith and as a promise of God's financial blessings uh, that were sure to come. And one time, my grandmother, or many times, she would receive these faith gifts, but on one occasion, uh, she gave enough money to receive in return a Bible for me. And I still have, it's one of my cherished possessions. I have a leather Bible with my name embossed on the front, right below the name of the televangelist. I didn't have the heart to tell my grandmother that I would have much preferred her name on the front with mine, but I could tell this was so important to her. She had given enough money to this ministry that she had received this faith gift, and she wanted me to have it. Now, I don't know that she believed in all the teachings of this church. I I don't think that it was like her character to believe that you give in order to receive tangible return. But I do know that she gave a lot of money to that ministry over the years. 
This morning, I want to continue with the sermon series, Famous Sayings of the Bible That Aren't Actually There. We've been looking at different sayings that we hear all the time, and they sound scriptural. They sound truthful. They almost sound like something from the Proverbs. They sound so uh, wise, and yet they're not found in Scripture. The very first week, Dr. Long started us off with, everything happens for a reason, but that's not in the Bible. Everything hasn't been predetermined in life. God isn't controlling us with strings like some great puppet master. No, God has given us the, gr- the gift of free will, And we have the ability, the responsibility, to choose how we use that gift. We can use our will for good, but we also have seen evidence of times where people have brought pain and violence in the world from their choices. The next week, we looked at the saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. Now, that's not in the Bible. But we did look at healthy attitudes we we could all have toward money, and ways that we could prevent being controlled by our wealth or the lack thereof. We looked at sayings like, um, God will never give you more than you can handle. And what is God's will for my life? And we explored and talked about that God uh, would never give you more than you could handle. God would uh, always be in your life. We looked at sayings that we hear and yet aren't found in Scripture. This morning, I want to look at the saying that all things shall be given to you. Now, let me just say that not all televangelists are bad. They accomplish some wonderful missions and ministries throughout the world. But some, throughout the course of their ministry, find that in order to grow a church quickly— they start teaching that God wants people to be rich. It's referred to as the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel relies upon several scriptures, but they're taken out of context or they're misinterpreted from the way that we would read scripture. The saying, all things shall be given to you, comes almost word for word from the gospels of Matthew and Luke. Almost word for word. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke tell the story of Jesus telling the people not to worry about the material things in life, things like food and shelter and clothing, but rather to pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then all these things shall be given to you as well. Now that is very, very close to All things shall be given to you, but it's a mile away in meaning. Jesus is talking to people who are concerned about where they're going to get their next meal. They're concerned about lack of clothing or shelter. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about those things. Instead, pursue God, seek after God, and all of these things shall fall into place as well. Jesus was not promising them wealth. In fact, he was telling them not to pursue material things, distinctly telling them to turn away from that and and to pursue God first. The prosperity gospel uses a saying like, all things shall be given to you, and it changes the whole meaning 180 degrees. 
it puts the whole focus on pursuit of material goods and financial wealth. Now, the problem of that is that we are substituting God's idea of prosperity for the world's concept of what riches really look like. And it falls incredibly short. God does want us to prosper in life, but God is not so concerned about our bank account and the kind of car that we drive as much as God wants us to live a rich and meaningful life. God has far bigger things in mind for us. God wants us to know love and incredible relationships and ways that we can make a difference in the world. That's God's idea of a prosperous life. We can take things out of context and we lose the meaning. Now, many times what happens when people pursue after wealth, it starts to consume them. Have you ever met anybody who hungered after money above all things or they wanted stuff more and more stuff in their lives? It swallows them up. It consumes them. They become a captive to their own desires and needs. And Christ came to set us free. Christ came to set us free from anything that would hold us back from enjoying and finding meaning in life. Today's scripture passage comes from the book of Romans. And Paul is telling the people how to live a life following Christ. How to follow in the footsteps of Christ and that Christ set us free. He's using language of freedom in Christ and pairing that with a freedom story of the Exodus account, the the time in the history of the Hebrew people where God set them free from slavery in Egypt. And he says that you did not receive a spirit of slavery, but one of adoption, one of sonship. You're no longer slaves, but you're the children of God. What financial gain could compare to that? This morning, I think there are three things that we can discuss that can help us have a better idea of what God has in mind for us to prosper and enjoy a rich life. The first is that God sets us free from slavery. Now, Paul uses this language, and it's rich and meaningful to us. You did not receive a spirit of slavery, but one of adoption. He reminds us over and over that we are the children of God, and we have been set free. Now, there's nothing wrong with working hard and getting a good job and saving money for a nice house and a nice car. The problem happens when we only think of ourselves We want to spend our lives thinking only about our own needs, our own desires. We start to turn inward, and that becomes a prison that holds us captive. Christ sets us free that we can enjoy life when we think about others. The greatest way to set your heart free is to start loving and caring for someone else. Nat Ellis is a high school teacher in Oregon, and he had a very unique collection. He collected toys, but not just any toys. He collected Happy Meal toys. Now, this started not on his own. He's a teacher, and one of his students placed a Happy Meal toy in the corner of his desk. 
He left it there for a couple days, but after a while, he moved it to the bookshelf behind his desk. And the next day, another Happy Meal toy had taken its place. So he left it there and then finally moved it to the bookshelf, and a tradition started. And he started receiving more and more Happy Meal toys. And before he knew it, it, he was collecting, even though he hadn't set out to collect Happy Meal toys. But he's been doing that now for over 25 years. And he's amassed a collection of over 1,100 Happy Meal toys. Well, what started off as a joke actually became a serious pursuit for him and his family. Over the years, he discovered that many of the toys had grown in value, of all things. These little Happy Meal toys, and he could make money off of them. And so he decided that he would continue to collect all of these Happy Meal toys until the time of his retirement, and then he would sell the collection, and that would be part of his retirement plan, Happy Meal toys. And so he continued to collect and plan for his uh, retirement someday until he heard the story of Logan. Logan Rongniger was four years old at the time, and he suffered from the disease of spinal muscle atrophy. It significantly affected his mobility. He couldn't walk. He couldn't even crawl. The only way he could get around was through a wheelchair. But this wheelchair was small, and it couldn't go um, on any kind of uneven surface. And both of his parents were field biologists. And more than anything, they wanted to take their young son out exploring in the wild with them. But that wheelchair wouldn't allow for it. So they started looking around, and they discovered that there is an all-terrain specialized wheelchair. It has tracks like a tank instead of wheels. And it can safely go over just about any type of surface. The problem was that it was over $13,000, and their insurance didn't cover it. Well, some of their family and friends heard about their situation, and they started spreading the story. And soon, their whole community surrounded them and started having fundraisers, the local schools. Everyone that knew them, the parents and Logan, started giving money to help this little boy achieve this dream. But Nat Ellis didn't know the family. He only heard their story at one of the fundraisers, and he made the decision to auction off his entire 25-year collection and give all the proceeds to this little boy's wheelchair fund. His parents were able to buy this specialized wheelchair, and you can go online and see videos of Logan exploring the wilderness in this specialized wheelchair For Nat Ellis, he understood that life was more than just collecting and keeping. It was about giving. He had this retirement plan in mind, and yet when he gave away some of his assets, he actually found that he was far richer afterwards because he discovered the freedom that exists when we care for one another even for those we don't even know. Of course, there are times that we need to prepare for things in life. We need to prepare for retirement, set money aside. But there are moments, opportunities, 
that if we will give in a sacrificial way, we will know incredible freedom of caring for the needs of someone else. Second, we are joint heirs with Christ. Paul reminds the people that because they are children of God, they are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Christ has this ministry he inherited. Christ came to the world to reveal God's love to all people. And because we are heirs with Christ, we have inherited that same ministry. We have a responsibility. Our inheritance to carry out is to share the love of God with all people, to make it known everywhere. Now, some of you may be familiar with the comedian Danny Thomas, who passed away in 1991. But I imagine all of you are familiar with his legacy, which is St. Jude's Hospital. Danny Thomas was born one of 10 children to Lebanese immigrant parents. They loved their children, and they worked hard to provide for them. They moved from Michigan to Ohio, and they sold hardware goods out of the back of their wagon, going door to door in an area of Toledo. And it was there, growing up, that Danny Thomas saw incredible poverty and all the problems associated with a lack of available health care. He saw that most people weren't uh, born in the hospital. They were delivered at home. None of his brothers and sisters were uh, delivered or attended to by a doctor. He actually was the one closest to that. He was delivered by a horse doctor. But he also saw many of his friends in the neighborhood die from influenza. He saw one of his brothers lose an eye because of a simple household accident. And many of these deaths and injuries and tragedies could have been prevented or treated if people could have had access to a doctor or a hospital. And so this notion of the need for health care for everyone stayed with him from the time he was a child till his dying day. This was his passion. Now, his parents were devout Catholic, and they brought up their family to love God and to also be in ministry to those in need. Danny Thomas and his wife would raise their children the same way. But life was tough. When he broke out in show business, uh, it was a tough life to live. He didn't make much money. And when his wife gave birth to their first child in the hospital, a daughter, Marlo Thomas, they only had $10 to their name. Now, the stipulation was the hospital made them pay their bill before they could check out, and the bill was for $50. Now, today, a $50 hospital bill sounds like a miracle. But if you only have $10 to your name, it sounds impossible. And for Danny Thomas, he was distraught. He was beside himself with grief and worry, he went to his church to be in prayer and cry out to God. The message that day was on St. Jude, the patron saint of lost causes. And so the message res resonated with Danny Thomas. He felt that his life situation at that moment was a lost cause. And he prayed and begged God for guidance, help him to know what to do. And in that moment, he made a commitment 
that he would give his time and resources to the lost causes of the world. And he put seven of his last $10 in the offering plate. Not too long after the service was over, he received a phone call asking him to take part in a commercial where he would be paid $75. Now, God didn't magically multiply that money because he had faith enough to give. God used that moment to multiply his passion, to awake in Danny Thomas an awareness. Danny Thomas left the church that day not only with a sense of of trust that God would provide, but also that he could make a difference. If he followed God, that he could be a part of God's work in the world by using his time and resources. And so he dedicated his life to that. He dreamt of a hospital, St. Jude's. And he would spend the next several years planning and raising money for it. Finally, in 1962, the doors of St. Jude's Hospital opened up. He and his wife would travel back and forth across the country for years, raising money for research and treatment at that hospital. But it is one of the premier locations for research and treating children with the worst diseases imaginable. Now, he and his wife raised their children the way he had been raised, to love God and to be in ministry to others. They would have three children, Marlo, Terry, and Tony. And they were all involved in St. Jude's, but Danny wanted his children to know that that was never their responsibility. It had always been his passion, but he didn't want to burden them if God was calling them to a different ministry. And so he always told them, when I die, you don't have to keep this up. You can do whatever God calls you to do. I want you to be free to pursue your own passions. But as it would happen, when Danny Thomas passed away, all three of his children were honored and thrilled to inherit their father's ministry. They spend the majority of their time raising millions and millions of dollars to give away to make children well again, to make a difference in the families who only knew hopelessness. Because they give all this money away, they feel incredibly wealthy. They're a part of their father's ministry, and they believe that ministry is of God. We are joint heirs with Christ, and we have a responsibility in his ministry to share the love of God with all. And so third, we are reminded that we are heirs of God. We are the children of God. Paul points this out over and over, that the Holy Spirit of God testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, I love it that God doesn't just leave it to us to just remember that, that God speaks it to us over and over again. Because what happens with our own spirits? Our own human spirits can become forgetful or insecure or distracted. Our human spirits can become forgetful, and we need a reminder of what is truly valuable in the world And so God's Holy Spirit speaks to us deep within to remind us. Sometimes our own human spirits can become insecure about our ability to make a difference in the world. 
And so God's Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit to tell us that we are joint heirs with Christ. And we have a role in that ministry to share his love with others. And sometimes our human spirits can be distracted by all the stuff of the world around us. And so God's Holy Spirit is continually present in our lives, never leaving our side, dwelling from within, reminding us over and over that we are God's children. And we have a life to live that makes a difference. Some of you may have heard the recent news story that came out on the local stations. It's the story of Jody Thompson. He's a police officer in Poto, Oklahoma. And a couple of years ago, the officers on duty were called out to investigate a case of child abuse. Now, Jody Thompson had had prior years of experience investigating child abuse cases with the district attorney's office, and so he offered to ride along with them to be of assistance. When they got to the house, they found a little boy named John, eight years old. He was submerged up to his neck in a trash can full of cold water. His hands were tied together. He had a huge knot on his head. He had very little to eat. He He was covered with bruises and abrasions. Jody Thompson would say it was the worst case of child abuse he had ever seen. Of course, they took him to the emergency room, and when the hospital admitted this little eight-year-old boy, John, to the intensive care unit, Jody just knew deep within that God was calling him to be with this boy And so he didn't leave his side. The entire night, he stayed there with him to reassure him by his presence. The next morning, Jody called the Oklahoma Department of Human Services, DHS, to find out how he could become a foster parent for this little boy. And by the time that he was released from the hospital, eight-year-old John went home with Jody and his wife uh, to meet their two sons who were 15 and 10 years old at the time. John would become a part of their family. Just two days after John moved into their house, Jody and his wife found that they were pregnant with their third son. And seven months after John moved into their home, they received a phone call saying that John's mother, who was in jail awaiting her trial, had given birth to a little girl, and the DHS officials wanted to know if they would be foster parents to this little baby girl. And Jody and his wife uh, picked her up the next day from the hospital. And so in a matter of a few months, Jody and his wife went from being a couple with two sons to being a couple with four sons and a daughter. And all of the family is blessed and grateful for it. Little John, two years have gone by now, and both he and his baby sister have been formally adopted into this family. They have flourished in the presence of all this love. John is on the honor roll at school. He's a straight-A student. He's part of the Gifted and Talented Club and involved in a local drama club. And both John and his father, Jody, credit God for bringing them together. They know 
that they needed one another. Now, I want you to think for just a moment, when Officer Jody Thompson first saw this little boy, John, the very first time, what did God lead him to do? What was it that this little boy needed more than anything? It wasn't money, toys, video games. No, what this little boy needed more than anything else was to know that he was loved, that he had a father, a mother, a family, that he had a connection to God, that he was a child of God. He needed to know that he had a place where he would be loved forever. What we need more than anything is not financial wealth. God has something far bigger in mind for us. God does want us to prosper. God wants us to know that we are children of God. God wants us to thrive in love with our relationship with God, in love with uh, relationships with others. And God wants to know, us to know that we are joint heirs in ministry with Christ, that we are called to make a difference in this world. And as the children of God, making an impact in the world around us, that is a rich life. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers.